0: Before I read the doxology that's given to us in James, I'm sorry, Jude, we're in this series on benedictions, doxologies, and prayers. I wanna read to you a prayer that Jesus prayed. I would invite you just to close your eyes and listen as I read just a portion of what Jesus asked the Father for regarding his followers. It's from Jesus's high priestly prayer recorded in John 17. Just listen. Jesus prayed, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. but that you will keep them from the evil one. This was Jesus's prayer, and we're still in the world. And the promise of God to keep us from the evil one is very real. Judas, not the one who fell, but the one who wrote the book of Jude, that was his name, he was a brother of Jesus, but the book is called Jude. Ended this very small letter with the profound doxology that gives remarkable hope to us as we wait for the moment when we see Jesus face to face. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Jude, there's only one chapter. I'm going to be reading the last two verses, 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, it is your holy word, and we're blessed by it. We're blessed to know that it's true, that it's holy, and that it requires your Spirit's work to enable us to see. So as we look now, we give you praise. We ask that you would do what only you could do and take this hope deeper and deeper into our hearts, whether it's for the first time, and today is the day we come to saving faith. Or it's just one more faithful encouragement from you. Whatever we need, Lord, would you give it to us now? We pray in Jesus name. Amen. It's been a remarkable month um, in many ways, climax for our church this last week as we had General Assembly here. and Rick Owens, brother, thank you again for the way you led this church really. for all those who helped serve it was beautiful to be there shaking so many of your hands just saying thank you for being there for our choir and if you didn't uh, come to any of the worship services and weren't available to I would encourage you to certainly download a sermon that was preached on Thursday night it was very very powerful you're going to hear more about that in the weeks to come but it's all for the sake of bringing glory to our God and making his name known Jude gives us these remarkable words at the end of his letter. We're going to pre- I'm going to preach this now and next week, so I'm only going to focus on verse 24, and I'm going to highlight a few words. The word keep, or the words keep, stumbling, and the word stand. Now, the word stand isn't here, but I'll show you where it is in just a moment. So Jude says this. Now to him who is able, that powerful word I preached on two weeks ago using Paul's doxology in Ephesians, Um, God is able to do immeasurably more, exceedingly abundantly more than anything you or me or anyone could ever ask or even imagine. Your greatest, boldest, most profound prayer can can never outdo the limits of what God is able to do. And here, Jude, his brother, Jesus' brother, brings that same word, now to him who is able. Able to what? You see the word keep to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of the Lord. Let's talk about this word keep for a minute. Keep means to watch over you. And as Jude is explaining that this is God to him who's able to keep you, it means that there is divine wisdom, divine vision, divine power, divine knowledge present for all of us who are in Christ. Now to him who is able to keep, God is keeping us. His promise is to keep us. He cannot break his promise. Take your Bible. You're going to need it, by the way. If you don't have one that you brought, pull the Blue Pew Bible out. Because we're going to look at a number of passages to prove the various things that Jude has written. To affirm the way in which they flow from the beginning to the end of Scripture. I want you to turn to Psalm 121. The Old Testament is written in the Hebrew and some of it's in Aramaic. But when it was translated into Greek, it's called the Septuagint. And so in the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, Psalm 121 uses the exact word for keep that Jude is using in his doxology. I'm going to read all of Psalm 121. It's just eight verses. But as I do, I want you to listen for the word keep. And as you hear it, think about the one who is making that promise. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? So this morning, dear friends, I'm not sure how you stumbled into this place. I don't know what is on your heart that's heavy. Maybe it was your children's behavior on the way here, or your spouse's behavior on the way here. Maybe it's a health issue that is really overwhelming. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's just bitterness. Maybe it's despair or depression or something that's just really heavy on your heart. But every Sunday that we enter in, we all enter in with need. That's why the statement on the front of our bulletin is so appropriate. But with that need, where are you looking for help? Where are you looking for help with loneliness? Where are you looking for help with the fear that you feel so deeply? The psalmist, as he's ascending, says, verse two, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who, what does it say? keeps. Same word that Jude is using. Now to him who is able to keep, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You have to sleep. Even when your loved one needs help, even when a child needs help, even when your body is is undergoing so much destruction and It's your loved one that suffers. You have to sleep, but not God. God is able to keep because he doesn't sleep or slumber. He doesn't need to. Verse 4, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper, same word. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep, same word, you're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God knows there's nothing he can learn about you. There's nothing he can learn about what you're feeling, what you're frightened about, what you're thinking. There's no power that he lacks and his will is good even if it's a bitter providence. You know, we like to know, don't we? One of my favorite tools on my smartphone is keeping track of where my children are. My daughter Maddie, about three weeks ago, she's working up at Trail Sky Ranch, she fell, because she's in Colorado, immediately you're thinking she fell off a cliff. No, it's not that neat of a story. (laughs) She was at the barn dance on a concrete pavilion and she tried a dance move with cowboy boots on. Now she's a ballerina, she can dance, but she didn't do ballet in cowboy boots and she stumbled. And when she stumbled, face first on the concrete and her tooth is now dead. So she came back to Dallas to get a root canal. And we're so glad it's all fine. Could have been so much worse. But as she's driving to meet my wife, who happened to be in another part of Colorado last week, I'm trying to control how they're going to meet. And I pull out my phone. And there it is. And I'm watching them go. Until what? They hit mountains. And then there's no more signal. And I just see her there for hours. I don't know if she's really there for hours or if my phone just can't see her, but you get my point. I'm limited, even with the best technology we have, but not God. God never lost track of her. And when you are going through the mountains, through the hills, through the valleys of your journey with him, even when you're wanting to hide from him, hoping he doesn't have signal, he does. He sees you, and if you're in him, the promise is he's keeping you. I took her to this airport this morning and dropped her off at 5.45. I said goodbye, and I said, I'll see you in a few weeks. And before I walked out here, just before nine, I looked at my phone and I saw, she's in the Denver airport. That's probably the last signal I'll have for a few weeks. But not God. I'm tempted to worry about the five-hour drive to camp, right? I'm a dad. Underneath that worry, there's something beautiful. But I can't control what happens. I'm not ever-present. I'm not omnipotent. I'm not omniscient. But my God is. And no matter what you've brought in today, how dark, how bitter, God's keeping you. And his keeping is perfect. But what is he keeping us from? Go back to Jude. Jude uses this word stumbling. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, what does he have in mind as he says stumbling? Adam and Eve were perfect. They had a perfect relationship with each other and a perfect relationship with God. The devil, in the form of a serpent, manifest himself to them, to Eve first, and asked a question to Eve. It's the first question in the Bible, and the question was, did God really say? It's a question of his authority. It's the way Satan always works. He always goes after the word of God. Eve quotes back to him what God did say, but then after time, she's overcome by the temptation. And she takes some of the fruit, and she eats it. She gives some to her husband, he eats it, and they fall. It's the fall of man, they stumble. And the stumble was great. As soon as they fell, as soon as they stumbled into that sin, Genesis 3 tells us that their eyes were open, and they realized they were naked. They didn't even know before. And suddenly, shame and fear and guilt and embarrassment swarmed over them. And they hid from each other, and they hid from God. While in hiding, they begin to make coverings for themselves to cover their nakedness. We have a promise in this word from Jude, God's holy word, that he's able to keep us from stumbling. What Jude is saying is that the power of God is present to keep us from stumbling, finally and fatally. Jude knows because of who he is as a man of God that the evil coming against us, the flesh that is on us and in us and all around us, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the people are going to stumble and fall, even Christians. But we have the power of God in us to protect us. We're told in 1 Corinthians 10.13 that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. He is faithful. He will provide a way out, and he is. But when we reject that way out, when we fail to avail ourselves of the means of grace, when we don't take seriously the warning that your enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you, we don't pay attention, we're not sober-minded, then we stumble. But that stumbling is not final for a believer. It's not fatal. It's not ultimate. What it means is that we cannot lose our salvation who are truly the ones who have been saved by God, truly the ones born again. That security is secure perfectly. We will fall. We will stumble. And when we do, we know that the Lord offers mercies, mercies made new each morning, so that we can receive again the good news of his forgiveness. This picture of that security It's called Perseverance of the Saints. Turn in your Bible to John 10. Jesus is talking about his role as the good shepherd. Near the end of that section, he speaks these words. Verse 27 is where I'm going to begin, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that amazing? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one in His hand. Grip. That's it. You who are in Christ, who have been truly born again, no matter what circumstances come your way, no matter what temptations are present to stumble, no matter even when you do stumble, you are in his grip now and for forever. That's the gospel. It wasn't just Jesus who said that, or John who recorded it carried along by the Holy Spirit, though that would have been enough. It's also Paul. In Romans 8, 37 through 39, Paul carried along by the Holy Spirit says this, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, now if you've heard this before, Lean in. If you've never heard it before, it's amazing. Paul says, For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then again... Philippians 1, Paul also carried along by the Holy Spirit says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, we are promised that the one who started the work in us will bring it to completion. No wonder that God's first question in the Bible, it's actually the third question in the Bible after Satan's first two, is, where are you? God didn't say, where are you, to Adam and Eve, because he didn't know where they were. He's omniscient, all-knowing. He said it to indicate at the beginning of the Bible, I'm coming for my people, And whatever will be necessary to redeem them, to rescue them, to save them, I am going to accomplish. And he has. He who began that good work in you, if you are a believer in Jesus, he will complete it. He is completing it. So back to Jude 24. This is the one he's talking about. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. The ESV translates this nicely in terms of what's going to happen, that all who are in Christ are going to be presented before the Lord's glory blameless. But the better word-for-word translation actually is in the New American Standard where the word stand is used. The new American standard says, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless. Christian, truly born again, you are going to stand in the presence of God. And when you stand in the presence of God in his glory, he is going to see you for who you are. Blameless, spotless. The New Living Translation, a wonderful translation, says this He's going to bring you into His glorious presence without a single fault. How? Because Jesus the second Adam didn't stumble. The same serpent, Satan, tempted Jesus in the same way with his word, the word of God. Jesus fought back with the word of God. He resisted him with the word of God. And Jesus never ever fell. He didn't stumble in words or thoughts or actions. He didn't sin in things he committed or things he failed to do. He was perfect. And when one professes faith in Jesus Christ and confesses his sins or her sins and asks for forgiveness, the Bible tells us, therefore, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And for all who are in Christ, when that time comes where we are standing in the presence of God, God is seeing us through that perfect, faultless, spotless, blameless Savior Jesus who is over us and in us. And so Jude says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, without a single fault. Jesus Christ clothe us. A lot of times people will ask me, you've probably been asked too if you've invited somebody to church, what should I wear? Does your church have a dress code? Well, here's the answer. Yes, and every true church does. And it has nothing to do with the clothes that you put on today. No man or woman can stand before the holy God and be seen as blameless, spotless, without fault, unless they are covered in the robe, the clothing of Jesus. You can't dress yourself up enough. It's what Adam and Eve tried to do in making the very first wardrobe. What did God do? He killed an animal, drained its blood, shed the skins and put it on them. And then what did God do later to the second Adam? He killed him. His blood would shed. That perfect, spotless, righteous lamb that all who believe in his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his reign and promised return could stand before his glory. So when people walk through these doors, they need to see you and me trusting in all that you've just heard. That yes, we stumble, but we have one who's able to keep us from stumbling now and for forever, and we stand we stand with the security of God himself who has covered us forever. If you know Christ, that is your security. If you don't, I'm so glad today you've heard something that maybe you've never heard. If you want to know more, Ask the person you came with. If they don't know the answer, ask someone else sitting around you until you hear the truth of what you've been hearing. Pray for salvation in the name of Jesus. Lord God Almighty, there is no other hope that has the security that I have had the privilege of just proclaiming. Everything else in this world is insecure, but you are the one secure thing. Every other kingdom in this world, every other country in this world will end, but not yours. To belong to that kingdom is the longing of our hearts. God Almighty, do that saving work now and bring whatever encouragement is needed for those like me who stumbled in here today, but now leave confident of my standing. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.